Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. We are David and Tracy Sellers, and we've made Vows to Keep. Tracy, do you remember when we first started dating and we started talking about what God was doing in our lives? That conversation immediately turned to spiritual gifts. At the time, I felt like I was called to ministry, but I wasn't really sure what my spiritual gifts were. And I remember feeling the same calling. We knew that God was calling us to serve in the capacity that now we see he's He's actually enabled us to serve. But at the time, we were like tools in a toolbox, not really completely understanding how we would be used to build biblically healthy marriages. And as a Christian, I think these are really appropriate questions to have, right, David? I'm a Christian, so now what? I don't just want to accept the free gift of salvation given to me. I want to actually work for God's kingdom. So what does that look like? And how do you use your spiritual gifts just to play into your own marriage? Does your spouse actually see spiritual gifts in you, the same ones that you see in you? If you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, one place to start would be to ask your spouse. Because if you are a Christian, God tells us in his word that he's given each one of us spiritual gifts. First Peter 4 talks about spiritual gifts. He says, as each has received a gift, then we should use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. All four, building up the body of Christ, all for the ultimate purpose of bringing God glory forever and ever. So let's talk about that in this part two of spiritual gifts here on Vows to Keep Radio. When you think of the word spiritual gifts, David, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think it's, it is something which we often wonder, how do I actually know if I have them? What are they? What's their purpose too? And for some of us, I think we have to worry about how do we know if we're putting them on a shelf or if we're putting them on display for our own glory, like if we're really abusing them. What do we do about it if we see that someone else is abusing them? What do we do about it if we see that someone else has actually put that gift on a shelf? This is a hard topic to talk about, and especially in the context of a marriage that's been established for a long period of time. Here's the facts from God's Word that we're going to work with. Fact number one is it seems like spiritual gifts are hard to understand, but God's Word addresses them, and we can learn from God's Word today. Fact number two is spiritual gifts have a God-glorifying purpose. And in that, there are some words of caution in God's word about abusing spiritual gifts. Fact number three is that the Holy Spirit gives them to us. We don't get to ask or pick or choose what we're given. Fact number four, the same God who created these gifts, whose Trinity contains the Holy Spirit, created marriage. And we know that marriage is a mystery, while spiritual gifts fit right in with that mystery. Fact number five, your marriage should contain the visible fruit of these gifts. They should be something that you see day in and day out affecting your life. If you missed last week's broadcast, part one of this series about spiritual gifts, go ahead and take a listen on our website, vows2keep.com. I'm going to do a brief recap. And, and as Tracy said, I would encourage you to listen to last week's broadcast. But what we talked about is the prerequisites. And to have spiritual gifts in your life, what you must do is have salvation. Many of the people I think that are hearing my voice right now would say, yes, I I am saved. And yes, I think my spouse is saved. But the challenge we asked you to wrestle with is, could your spouse 
tell your story? Could they testify on your behalf about how you came to know the Lord? And if you are saved and you've committed your life to Christ, have you accepted the Great Commission we find in Matthew 28? I mean, the Great Commission is this very large charge that God gives us to go and make disciples of men. Now, in that process, God has given us three very important factors. The first is that 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 charge is an individual mission, but it's carried out as a team, and that team is called the church. The second fact is that the Holy Spirit goes with us, and the third is that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts, but for a very specific purpose. Now, the Bible defines these facts, and I'm going to give you some of the references we shared last week. If you didn't get a chance to look them up, please do. Spiritual gifts are described in the New Testament primarily in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 also does have some notes on this. So in part two of today's broadcast, we are going to compare and contrast talents versus gifts. What's the difference? Can we tell the difference? And how do we use our talents and gifts for God's kingdom? And then in part three, we're going to break down the spiritual gifts one by one and go through them. And maybe you're going to be able to latch on to some of those and say, yes, this is how God's gifted me. I want to put it to use. And then part four of this series is going to be a conclusion around exercising and strengthening these gifts together as a married couple. That's a lot to cover. So let's get started on part two. Well, as we consider what the difference is between talents and gifts, I think Probably the most important, most clear difference is that talents are inherited, whereas gifts, well, they're received. Natural talents are the abilities that you get from your mom and dad, things that are nurtured in your family. And we all know people who come from a long line of family members who share the same talent. In my house, it's being able to diagnose and troubleshoot things that are mechanical or electrical. In my family, musical ability, I did not get that, but... My mom, my sister, my relatives, especially our kids, definitely a natural talent. And that's exactly what they are. Natural talents are just that, natural. They can really be attributed to the genetics that God put within us. They are a gift from Him. They are a gift given from Him, passed down from generation to generation. Proverbs 22.6 really highlights something that's so important about talents. And I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version. It says, Train up a child in the way that he should go teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And this is key because when we teach our children how to seek the Lord with their talents, well, they'll serve with those talents. Spiritual gifts, on the other hand, come directly from the Spirit of God when we become believers in Jesus Christ. That's why they're called gifts in the first place. And we find in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, that it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. It's He alone who decides what gifts that we're going to receive. So natural talents, they're given at birth. There's things that come from your genetics. Spiritual gifts, they're given when you're born again. In fact, your testimony, if you've been a Christian for very long, should include an explanation of that gift. It's part of your testimony of what God has done in your life. It's just one of the many differences that accepting Christ brings into your life. Talents are possessed by people who are Christians and people who aren't. Gifts are only possessed by those who are saved by Jesus Christ. 
And it should be obvious if you listen to our past broadcast on this topic of spiritual gifts that the prerequisite for having a spiritual gift is that you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Everyone on planet Earth, whether they are saved or unsaved, has some sort of talent. The Spirit of God resides in each and every believer, and I'm so grateful for that. And God's Word says that He has allotted to each one of us a measure of faith and an ability transcending our natural talents. Talents, they range all over the place. Believers, however, have gifts of the Spirit which do fit into a fairly concise list. And in part three of this series, we're going to dig into these more deeply. But generally speaking, here's the list that we see. In Romans 12, we see things like exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. In 1 Corinthians 12, we see administration, discernment, faith, helps, knowledge, tongues, wisdom. In Ephesians 4, we we see things like evangelism and being a pastor. This is just a sampling of what's in those passages. Now, the thing is, a number of these spiritual gifts actually sound a lot like natural talents. After all, I mean, don't you know someone who's a non-Christian who is a very talented leader? When you went to school, is there some non-Christians that you saw were very effective teachers? I'm sure there is, because non-believers can be talented in some of these same areas without having been given that gift from the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Hitler, he was very wrong. He was very misguided but he was a very effective leader for his cause. He spoke with such conviction and people followed him. I mean, to some very terrible ends. People represented him by carrying out his wishes and all those wishes led to building Hitler's kingdom. Yeah, David, you're so right. But clearly the Holy Spirit was not empowering Hitler. Natural talent was just being misused. So don't be confused. Everyone has natural talents, but in addition to these talents, Believers are also gifted by God, and this is uniquely effective for God's kingdom when those gifts are matured and put into practice. That leads into our next point. Talents are developed and expected, whereas gifts are matured in our walk with God, and they're often unexpected in what they are. And this is tough because as we develop in our maturity with our Lord, we can develop these gifts, but you're not going to learn how to be an evangelist if God hasn't gifted you that way. You either are one or you're not. You're not going to go to school to become a pastor. Now, that's not to say that there aren't schools who will teach you, but God's either gifted you with that kind of heart or he hasn't. They're not skills which are just simply learned. They are gifts. You're not going to study and then become a prophet. You either have that gift from God or you don't. These are supernatural spiritual gifts. And as you mature in Christ, your gifts will be more fine-tuned. You can't take a course and suddenly become a gift to the church that the Holy Spirit didn't give to you when you became a believer. So let's say that you're a talented leader and then you become a Christian. If God decides to use you in some role of leadership, you may just find that your talent is now greatly multiplied. You might discover that your leadership skills are above and beyond anything that you were even capable of doing prior to when you were saved. And that could be because you're no longer leading for yourself, but now you're leading for God's cause. He can use that spiritual gift of leadership in your life to make you a better leader, a better leader for Him. And God does have a tendency to surprise us. We can all develop our natural talents with some hard work and some perseverance. And I think we try to instill that in our kids. We practice, we train, and along the way, we achieve greater results. 
Spiritual gifts, they're not really like that. They are increased as we mature in our relationship with God. So when we have been gifted by God, it's to accomplish his purposes. And we have to actually be prepared to expect the unexpected, where it's only by his power and his strength that the thing that he set out before us could be accomplished. And as we mature in our relationship with God, boy, he just keeps surprising us by gifting us well beyond our natural talents. Talents can definitely be used selfishly for selfish purposes, but gifts from God are to be used for God's purposes. The Bible clearly tells us that spiritual gifts are given for a specific reason. We may find ourselves using our natural talent to serve our own selfish interests and desires. Spiritual gifts, though, they've been given to us by God, as God's Word says, for the common good and to the glory of God. They are given to us so that we can give them back to God as we serve His purpose for building the family of believers. That's why all of us are gifted in some way by God. We're not supposed to sit and watch the pastor do the work. We're supposed to get off the sidelines and use the gifts that God has given us. And I think that's a great segue into the next part as we prepare for part three, a deeper dive into the key spiritual gifts that God's word spells out for us. I want to tackle though how some spiritual gifts are nowadays kind of associated with a title in a church and some aren't. This can be a point of confusion that we really want to address because there are far too many married couples sitting on the sideline thinking that their donation to the church has kind of like absolved their need to use their spiritual gifts. It's like they're paying the pastor to do their spiritual work for them. And my friends, you can't find that in the Bible. Men love status and people love people of status. These things have been abused in the church and it's obvious, especially when a popular pastor fails, they fall out of leadership and then people leave the church and unknowingly to them, it's because they've worshiped the flawed man and not the perfect God. A biblical title isn't about a business card. It's not a sign on your desk. It's not about salary with benefits. A biblical title in a church shouldn't be given just because of natural talent. That's how most of us get our secular jobs these days. We have a talent that usually exceeds others' ability to do that same task, and we get paid to use that talent by people that are less qualified than we are. But in God's world, it is bigger than that because the church is alive, and the church offices, as the Bible speaks of them, are more a description of our spirit-led, gift-enabled activities as opposed to a status that we might aspire for. Let's take a look at what I mean. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we can read about the work of a deacon. Now, to be a deacon is really to use the gift of service. The gift of service is something we see defined in Romans 12, 7. Let's expand that a little bit more. In Acts chapter 6, we see that there were some widows who were not getting served food at the daily gatherings. They were being overlooked. So what did the church do about it? Well, they chose seven guys, guys who were filled with the Holy Spirit, that had a great reputation, and who had the wisdom to know how to deal with this situation. These seven guys become deacons. They were doing little more than serving. So why was there a big deal about who was doing that serving? Why did they have to be filled with the Spirit? Why did they need wisdom? Why did they have to have a good reputation just to hand out food to these ladies? Why did the apostles lay their hands on them just to serve some food? I think we can only actually answer that question by looking at the outcome. 
because immediately after this passage about waiting on these people, it says in verse 7 that the word of God kept spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase. Wow, that is so powerful. Let's take a look at Titus chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 5. It says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, must be faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not giving to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, who is upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now what you'll notice is they're not talking about taking some six-week training course. He's not to run an ad in the paper. He's not to conduct interviews. These elders were already in the midst of the people. He just had to observe these qualities within them. And the Holy Spirit is the one who puts the gifts there within the body. So if they had these qualifications evident in their lives and they had the Holy Spirit empowering them with this gift of service, they just needed to be pointed out. Well, let me tell you something today. A guy who meets these qualities hasn't done so all alone. How do you learn to have a good marriage? How do you learn to raise godly kids? I'm not talking about gaining head knowledge here. I'm not talking about the ability to regurgitate information. We can all do that. Talking about true growth, growth in the heart, growth where it really matters. How do we get those things in us that no one else can take away? How do we truly learn the lessons in life that are now rock solid inside of us? How do we arrive at the truths that are unshakable, God's truth? How do we gain those precious gems in our character that remain forever? Two words, David, healthy struggles. God uses our marriages in the school of life, and David, you and I, we have been there, right? God uses healthy struggles to grow us. And these verses show how important success is and how that success couples with spiritual gifts to empower roles within the body. Who have you known that was a good steward in their faith or a good steward in their marriage that didn't have struggle and didn't have accountability? I can truly think of no one. Every single person that comes to my mind that's been a good steward of their faith or their marriage has had both of those things. The way of true growth is through struggle and accountability. The way of true growth is also sometimes by a lack of accountability and then tremendous pain that gets redeemed by the God of this universe. You can hear teachings all day long about how you need to reach out to God, but unless you feel the pain, unless you see your need, you're not really going to reach out. I've heard lots of teaching about how you need to acknowledge that you're broken, but unless God breaks you, unless God disciplines you because he loves you, you're still going to have some form of self-ambition and self-reliance. And coming up after our series here on spiritual giftedness on Vows to Keep Radio, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about pride, about forms of self-ambition, self-reliance, and self-righteousness. I really encourage you to tune into that in just a few weeks here. In the school of life, a wife can be used by God to help a husband not to be self-willed, to not be quick-tempered, to not be addicted to alcohol. God can use a spouse to help the other spouse to be 
instead hospitable, to love what is good, to be sensible, to be just, to be self-controlled, to even know how to exhort with sound doctrine in a way that the other person will receive. These are skills that are honed in marriage. Think of it this way. An apple tree makes apples because why? Well, it's an apple tree. God made it that way. Apple trees don't learn that they're apple trees and then they start producing apples after they've gone through 12 years of school. But God, he uses his love and the people he's put in our life to love us, to prune us, to bring out the fruit that he's already prepared in advance for us to do. And pruning is important. It sounds painful, but it plays a significant role in our lives. Yeah, before I was married, I thought I could grow into a husband simply by learning. I thought I would grow if I got all my questions answered by some kind of an expert. Learning is great, but what I needed to do was apply what I knew, allow myself to be pruned, to become a husband who's more Christ-like. You can't do it just on knowledge alone. It's great to seek out wise counsel, though, and apply that to what God is teaching you in your life. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no wise or intelligent guidance, the people fall, and they go off course like a ship without a helm. But in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. You can add to your healthy struggles the truth from God's word and with godly advisors around you who are speaking God's word into your life. And if we only learn and we don't apply, then we're going to be in trouble. I think it's one of the reasons that the Bible actually instructs us to leave and cleave as soon as we're married, because our parents have that same kind of effect in our lives. They're going to try to steer us as long as we'll let them. But it's only in the person of Jesus Christ that we find the secret to Christian marriage. So how does this relate to our topic of gifts and titles? Once the foundations are established for a functioning marriage by being submitted to Jesus and God's word, well, God's word says that we should as a couple isolate to learn how to need Christ. That's basically what's happening when you leave and cleave. It's learning how to pull your own weight in the relationship. It's learning how to need one another. It's a crucial time when essential foundations are being laid. It's in that time we learn to turn to Jesus. David, you and I encountered some struggles early on in our marriage, struggles we didn't see coming, but there they were. And we learned through those healthy struggles, and we're still learning through healthy struggles, how much we truly need God. And that is such an important recognition. From this marital fellowship and intense love for one another, then and only then does an organic, naturally occurring leadership in a marriage and a family arise. And then over time gets recognized as a qualification, which when coupled with a spiritual gift of service, equates to someone who can be a deacon or an elder. I think it's because of our lack of application of spiritual gifts among us, we've become addicted to men leading us instead of being addicted to Christ. We've been addicted to only certain people functioning instead of everyone learning to function for the very survival of our marriage and our church. We've become completely accustomed to a certain few taking the responsibility for our marriage and our church when we really all have been given a God-honoring responsibility. This is exciting stuff, guys, because we realize that we are part of something bigger than ourselves here. We're even part of something that's bigger than our marriages. God has a plan, and we are part of it. We invite you to join us 
next week on Vows to Keep Radio, part three of Spiritual Gifts, where we are actually going to take the individual spiritual gifts that are listed in God's Word in passages like Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and others. And we're going to talk about those, which ones God may have gifted you with and how they relate within your marriage and within the body of Christ. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.